which catalyzed again so much of how i think about having a portfolio life right now and a I call it my rainbow life. Just like I have many different things that I am pursuing that fuel me in different ways and none of them feel like too much. Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn here at the Portfolio Career Podcast to help you take ownership of your career and design a life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Maria Portarajan. In this episode, we talk about Maria's sabbatical presence Rainbow Living, uh, which is a, uh, a variation of a, a portfolio life, and her newsletter called Amble. Um, Maria has gone through a transition over the last couple of years and really shares a lot of the details behind it here. This is a re- really great conversation. I really enjoyed this conversation. I was honored that Maria asked me some questions during this episode that got me really thinking, and I hope you enjoy learning more about me and my work as well. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my Substack uh, newsletter called Portfolio Career. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Maria. Sabbaticals. Uh, what do you love about sabbaticals? What I love about sabbaticals is the perspective they provide. They kind of force you to unplug from all the noise of... Yeah work and constructed identities and they strip away your your ego really like we live in a culture that's so driven by work and by what work means to us and we identify with a lot of that stuff and once you are not working then what is your identity who are you really and I think they help us get very closely in contact with who we really are Mm. Uh, so you said strip away ego and identity. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what did that kind of look like for you? Just identifying with these superficial things like mm. your job title and how fancy it is with how much power you have in an organization with, you know, how much impact you're driving, you know, the results you're delivering, like all of that stuff is pretty superficial when you really think about it, when you really think about just human life. That's Mm. not actually what life is about. And I think we oftentimes get so lost and so entangled with the superficial markers of status and identity. And I use these things very interchangeably, status, identity, ego, like all of these things are constructs essentially that we use in order to explain who we are out there in the world. Um, So I think of, you know, that stripping away that helps you uncover the things that actually make you tick and make you you, that um, I call them organic yearnings, the Mm. things that you yearn for um, at the really core of your being. And these things, for me personally, were very simple. Um, You know, I discovered that I just really wanted to be in nature, like every day for many hours a day. Um, I discovered that I really loved reading, not for any given purpose, just on topics that were interesting to me. Learning for the sake of learning rather than some, you know, 
obnoxious business book about product management or leadership or some some other BS like that. Um, I think that's what sabbaticals help uncover is the true yearnings. Mm. Um, before the organic yearnings, you said like what, like the job titles and status and stuff aren't really what like life's about um, or what really matters. What would you say like really matters now? I think the things I've taken away from the experience of reconnecting with my organic yearnings um, is really just prioritizing my life very differently. Mm. Um, So I make sure that I have plenty of time in the morning to start the day my way. Mm. Um, That might mean working out or going for a really long walk for really right now a hike. Um, it means meditating and making time for meditation on a very consistent basis. Um, it means not having to rush, not rushing is I think one of the biggest shifts that I've made post sabbatical. I've realized how rushed my life was before and what a change of pace the sabbatical provided And so I really, really work. It's ironic. I work really hard to try not to rush a lot (laughs) in life now. (laughs) Um, There's definitely effort. You can take your time with this episode. You can take your time. (laughs) There might be long pauses during this conversation, listeners. So just heads up. But Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so that's been the rush piece has been like really big. Um, I also have made time for things that uh, like germinated in the sabbatical. They, Mm. something, some seedling was, Mm. you know, planted in the sabbatical, whether that was my interest and reconnecting with my meditation practice in a more committed way. Now I'm in a meditation teacher training, um, or whether it was, um, dipping my toes into parts work with my therapist in like a more meaningful way. Now I'm in a coaching program that teaches me actually how to work with that kind of methodology with others um, and how to bring it into both my personal and professional relationships. Um, And a lot of those things had their starting place Mm. in the sabbatical and I made time post-sabbatical to still pursue them and prioritize them because they feel important and they scratch my my itches <laughs> and they speak to my organic yearnings. Mm, tying it all together there. I love it. Um, what I think is really interesting as you're talking about is this idea of like how, how you're, you learned during the sabbatical and then still like going deeper on those learnings which like maybe sometimes a sabbatical or a break mm-hmm. is like, oh, that's the time to read a lot of books. And then once mm-hmm. I start working, like, oh, I kind of stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to hear like you kind of got the seeds, mm-hmm. I think, from during the sabbatical period. And then you're going deeper on those things post sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And those things that you're going deeper on post sabbatical aren't work. Yeah, they're, um, I would say that 
they're not work and in fact they're not at all related to my day job my <laughs> nine to five um but there is a future i can see where they might become some form of i don't want to say employment mm. um but some form of impact that i create cool. um right now i do work one-on-one -on -one in like a coaching container with a couple of people um just because they've reached out through my writing that's mm. actually the other thing that germinated in the mm. sabbatical that i forgot to mention which because it's so obvious now um amble my substack originated in the sabbat in during my sabbatical um and i have kept that writing practice going um for a year now and um it's been like delightfully surprising in all the best possible ways um i've learned so much about myself i'm continuing to like refine the art of writing mm. um and i'm still enjoying it that's the most surprising <laughs> part because i get bored pretty yeah. easily yeah. um but again i think there's something about the sabbaticals that uncovers the things that you truly are into that if you just keep them going they actually feel very easy to do because it just translates into like this natural thing that is my natural talent and that I'm just like naturally um, driven to do. Mm. Um, so Amble has become a, also a really big like, source of joy for me where mm. people reach out because they connect with something I've written about and they ask if I can help them in their transition moments. Um, and so I've started working with a few people on the side and just helping supporting them in like a coaching like container mm -hmm. and that's also been super fun and so i get to practice a little bit of what i learn um in those other spaces in that way um with people who trusted me with their special moments um and what's the definition of amble just to kind of mm -hmm. yeah yeah so amble <laughs> is um amble was born out of my annoyance with I, it, not even annoyance Amble was born out of my outright anger with hustle culture mm. and with the realization that there aren't enough voices out there who are diverse, like myself. I'm an immigrant. I'm a woman. I'm a mother um, that speak to a different way of living mm. um, than what the tech bros are offering. Um and so it became a platform for me to think through writing and to share my perspective in a way that felt very personal, very vulnerable mm. and bold um, in some ways. Because the things I put out there every time before hitting publish, you know, there's that <laughs> little like, oh, what's about to happen? Will everybody hate me? Um, and will they disagree with me? Um, and then I think every time I hit that publish, there's a, an interesting, like I get married to myself in an interesting way. It's like, I don't actually care what anybody else thinks. Mm. I'm just going to put it out there in the hope that maybe there's somebody who will resonate with it. Maybe they will disagree, but maybe that will still somehow 
put something, some energetic load out into the world that helps somebody out there. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really just for me. I'm doing mm. this for me. And so you're married to, like you're, the marriage is marrying the that idea that you're sharing or that, that view or that version of that's being put out? Uh, what or or is there a different way to think about this marriage concept? I think it's a recommitment to owning my point of view, and it's a recommitment to, for my own sake, saying like your point of view matters, mm. and it matters to put it out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and it reminds me what I'm hearing of this. It reminds me of one of your subsects. There was a I think it was a poem mm-hmm. um and uh the quote was i'm committed to being my own cheerleader mm-hmm. <laughs> i love that you like that yeah. yeah and all the other stuff below there too um yeah tell us about that idea of uh mm-hmm. being your own cheerleader so that manifesto that i wrote for myself um That manifesto was sparked by a conversation with a friend who uh, is a coach. And whenever we talk, she puts on her coach hat a little bit and like she'll coach me sometimes and blah, blah, blah. But this one time when we were talking and I was sharing with her some like very difficult um, thought patterns that I was working through, um, she said something to the effect of, Maria, you have to stop. You just have to stop doing that. Mm. And it was so pointed and it was so straightforward. It didn't feel like coaching. It felt like make those shitty thoughts of lack of belief and self-confidence and self-esteem and just make them shut up. Mm. And so that night I sat down and I was like, okay, how do I make those thoughts shut up? And so I wrote that manifesto to flip the script entirely from what was in my head and what was uh, the thing I was fighting with to the thing I actually wanted to embody in the world, which is being my own best cheerleader, not needing that from anywhere outside of myself, not needing external validation, not needing some kind of conviction from somebody else just creating it for myself. Um, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Mm. I think a lot of women struggle Mm. with that. Um, I would be lying if I said that I am my own cheerleader every single day. I am not. (laughs) The shitty negative thought patterns are still there, Mm. but having written that manifesto and having it as a tool to come back to it from time to time and rereading those words every time i i walk away Mm. somehow richer bolder more confident more close to myself um so it's been a very helpful tool yeah do you Mm. have a manifesto like that for yourself david i don't i i did have something um and i'm trying to see if i can find it uh-huh. um somewhere in my studio um uh which was something 
I think it was like a a personal vision statement mm-hmm. um, where it was daily ideas, uh-huh. um, things to do it daily. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember writing it, and this was in a time which we were talking about a little bit before of when I kind of moved to New York mm-hmm. in twenty moved to New York in twenty sixteen. But at that time, I was like big into personal development mm-hmm. and, and thankfully found like an incredible community called personal development nerds. Um, and yeah, I just remember writing this out and I think like one of them is like show up every day. Mm. Um, like listen before speaking. Um, I'll, 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 I'll share it. I'll share it in the show notes. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but I remember like I did that and then I lost it. And then I think I was cleaning out my room or something in like 2020 or 2021. And I found it. I think it was like during the pandemic. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, look at this. Like, you know, and like everything was like so bleak then. Yeah. And, um, and also everything's felt really flat. Mm-hmm. So kind of going and seeing this thing that I wrote during a more, you know, dynamic time period in life, mm-hmm. a little bit more upbeat time in life, um, was like really interesting and, um, but I should go back to that too. <laughs> Just like you go back to your manifesto. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. And then also, I guess just like a little bit of context to, for people about the sabbatical. Um, I know we're kind of bouncing around a little bit, but just to provide a little bit of context for people before the sabbatical, um, kind of like what did your life look like? Like why, why did you think you needed to take the break? Um, mm-hmm. Like what is, yeah, what was like so busy then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm an immigrant in this country, um, moved here 10 years ago from London where I studied and worked, um, as a consultant, I worked all over Scandinavia. So I was on the road a lot. It was a very busy time. When I moved to New York, I moved for this dream job. Um, and as all dream jobs, they don't really turn out to be that dreamy. Um, but it was, a very intense time in my life. I was super young. I was, you know, 24, 25, 26, somewhere in that vicinity. And working in innovation consulting meant working super long hours, traveling all over the country, meeting clients, having these insane long days where you're using your brain, Mm -hmm. you know, beyond its capacity. Um, And, you know, All throughout those years, I created also this side hustle of of mine, which was Win Women in in Innovation, uh, which grew to be like a really large global community and a programming platform. My life was very full. And then I had kids to like top it off, you know? (laughs) Um, And then I started realizing something started shifting. That was like my first dabbling in burnout and like understanding what chronic stress does to 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 me uh physically mentally Mm. emotionally and so i decided not to go back to consulting i uh started to work in-house um at large corporates and that was a lot better it provided better work and life balance for sure 
but it didn't quite solve for some like value mismatches mm. in terms of how those large organizations operate and how I prefer to operate, which is not really at their pace. Yeah. And so when an opportunity uh, came to join uh, an early stage startup, um, Series B, uh, you know, tiny little team, like there was no product team there um, when I joined. Um, the what ensued was me basically diving into this huge challenge as mm. the only product person trying to help the organization turn around its entire business model from like transactional revenue to recurring revenue from not having a product practice to having a product led motion from you know tiny little engineering team that was asked like a million requests to like yeah. growing that it was just a very intense year where i've i thought that i was joining like the perfect environment for my personality yeah. and what what i realized was i was just like adding oil to my natural tendency to mm. be hyper productive hyper achieving and that environment just like did not have any guardrails for me that would support me in like finding some sort of a balance in life. So I was like all in. The dream job to work hard. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, you know, after 12 months of just going really hard at it, mm. I just hit a wall, like very honestly. Um, it was a really dark time. Like I couldn't sleep. Mm. Like half my hair fell out. I would have days where I like, I would forget to like go and pee. Wow. Yeah. It was really intense. And it was like such a, I think I, I went home for Christmas, um, that year, which we do every year, but that year prior years, it would be, you know, okay, I'd be on vacation and I'd be able to just like be with my family and be present and have fun and like enjoy it. And I took two weeks off and the first week and a half, I shit you not, I couldn't turn my brain off from work. Mm. And that was like the biggest wake up call. That was the moment where I was like, this isn't right. I need to get out. Like mm. this is this is not working for me. Um, and so it just became like a matter of time. Um, and then it was, you know, it was kind of a helpful time for um, my husband works in crypto and so it was like a really good time in terms of like how flush our <laughs> financial resources were not so much anymore well I guess Bitcoin is up now but anyway um, so it just was like a good protective measure mm -hmm. um, for me to say you know what I'm gonna take a full year off um, that shifted because of the crypto winter that mm. ensued. So I actually had to go back to work a little bit earlier than I wanted. Um, but it was an amazing six months that was solely focused on unlearning how to be the way I was used to be. Um, very uncomfortable in the beginning, very unknowing how to deal with the freedom and mm. the different pace of life um, where I didn't have to do anything and I could choose my own adventure moment to moment, um, which 
catalyzed again so much of how I think about having a portfolio life right now and a I call it my rainbow life. Just like mm. I have many different things that I am pursuing that fuel me in different ways and none of them feel like too much. Yeah. <clears throat> um, on this idea of, well, obviously you have a day job, which we talked about a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and it seems like you're able to kind of set kind of boundaries there or, um, you know, like you said, it doesn't feel like it's a lot. And yeah. I don't, we don't have to go into the, too much details about that, but I think what's really interesting, and I could be wrong, but um, Habit and Co. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw somewhere it said that you felt that it was starting to feel like a job, and then now you're more of an advisor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to us about that. Like to me, that seems like another example of kind of taking the learnings from the sabbatical and you know, really trying to focus in on your more, like the life that you want. Um, and maybe, yeah. 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 So Habit and Co. was an experiment as part of the sabbatical. I was craving a community around the experience that I was going through. And mind you, you know, that was like a year and a half ago where I think a lot of people are still coming off of like the mm. pandemic burnout. There were a lot of people out there struggling with the same stuff. Um, I think it's actually still true. I actually just wrote an essay about noticing that burnout is still very much like a topic that people are seeking community support around. Mm. I think the insight we had back then is very much still alive. Mm. Um, but it was really an experiment. We built um, a little program. I think it was 12 weeks, uh, if I remember correctly. And it was just the idea of coming together with others to um, help them learn about how to um, get yourself out of burnout or prevent it and to start understanding the different layers of how it's created um because i think it very much starts with awareness and understanding and building your knowledge around your nervous system um and how overloading it in the way that we do because of the culture we live in and the cities we live in like new york city um and the workplace cultures we're part of that's kind of hoisted upon us. There's a certain way of being and that's not really compatible with like human nervous systems. Mm -hmm. So that whole program was super fun to run and, you know, experiment with. And I learned from the participants probably more than they learned from me. Um, And then when we were evaluating whether to continue with my co-founder, whether to continue to run it in either its current shape or different shape or where to take it, Honestly, it just became very clear that my co-founder wanted to go fundraise, like get VC money, go Mm. after it. And I was not interested in that at all. Um, And I am much, I'm still much more interested in kind of finding my own path and finding my own ways of engaging with broadly understood community that I've built around Amble um, and my presence on, you know, 
platforms and stuff like that. So I'm still like charting my own path and I'm not mm. interested in like a traditional, let's build a startup, you know, for emotional resiliency or whatever. Um, not really interested in that. And so did you feel that you're like, Oh, okay, Oh, I see where this is going. Yeah. I can do that. But yeah, no, it was a very clear choice. Mm. I don't want to do that. Mm. Yeah. Has there been anything else that's been a really clear choice? Like, I don't want to do that um, recently. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, when I started writing Amble, I wrote every week. Hmm. And it became like a cadence that at some point I woke up and realized, oh, shit, I'm a slave to the cadence. Like, it's starting to feel like a chore. Do mm. I want it to be a chore? Do I want it to be like another thing that's like hanging over my head? Mm. Um, I love that your your mantra, your manifesto is like show up every day. And I think the way that I think of showing up every day is checking in with my energy level mm. and checking in with whether the things I'm doing are actually uh, providing energy or depleting me from energy. Um, and when it started to feel like a chore, I basically said to myself, okay, I am not going to write on a schedule. I am going to write on some unknown mystical schedule that I decide <laughs> when I feel like writing and I yeah. decide when I feel like publishing. And it's been really liberating. Mm. So I said no to like structure in order to say yes to my organic yearning to write. Woo. When it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Says or um, receives the person who uh, <laughs> is sending a newsletter on Sunday that doesn't know exactly what's in it. Um, I, yeah. But I, I admire get. your consistency and your commitment. I don't know. What is this episode? Whatever. 300 or something. Mm, yeah. 291, 292, something there like that. There we go. Yeah. Like that's incredible. And I really admire that. Um, so I think there's a time and space where maybe I'll be able to commit to Amble more and maybe I'll go back to my weekly cadence. Who knows? But right now yeah. is not the time. Yeah. I think it's just more around like, what are the non-negotiables? So you were saying mm -hmm. like the checking in on your energy, like for me, the narrative that I told myself, um, is like every week. And then it's like, oh, if I'm publishing, episodes every week like i should publish a newsletter every two mm. weeks and but i've really enjoyed just like you um with amble and your substack newsletter like i've i moved to, over to substack earlier this year mm -hmm. uh i was on another platform which which worked mm -hmm. but there's something about like um the culture or the narrative around substack where you're like okay people write on this thing um maybe i should write on this so i've gotten a lot more open and expressive on it um than the prior versions of the newsletter and that's been fun um and but i think it's like because of doing all these like reps and stuff then like eventually i've developed the confidence but like back in the day like i wouldn't prob maybe i didn't have anything to write about <laughs> maybe yeah. yeah so but yeah i gotta figure out what to how do you come up with ideas for what to write about? Hmm. Usually it's kind of a, 
like knowing that there's one coming up, like subconsciously things just start mm-hmm. kind of germinating a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it's on the shower, maybe it's a run. And I know mm-hmm. those sound very cliche, but they are real mm-hmm. um, or movement or basically just kind of like away from the computer. Um, stuff kind of pops up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, like last time it was kind of, I was like, wait, I, so like related to my day job, I have a lot of like similar kind of Mm one-on-one conversations. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've actually like never even written that out. Like, Mm -hmm. but this is something that I like talk about all the time. But so it's interesting. Sometimes you like, you think that it needs to be very like, or at least for me, like you think it needs to be very profound or Mm -hmm. interesting or insightful Mm -hmm. or different or edgy or on the cusp or unique. And it's like, well, what about the stuff that you just like say one-on-one to people but like mm-hmm. not everybody has one-on-ones with you. Yeah. Um, so that was like kind of like a no-brainer thing that mm-hmm. just like felt very like easy and I was able to like kind of quickly put mm-hmm. that together. I find that as well. Topics emerge from conversations with people yeah. very easily. Something that like will come up and I'll be like, oh, that's so interesting. Let me write it. And then I like yeah. put it in my little Apple Notes app and then I come back to it. But I also have found that when... I'm like too zoned in to, oh, I need to publish that particular day. Then like topics just like there's nothing coming to mind and I Mm. feel very empty. And when I don't put that pressure on myself, actually things just like naturally arise. So I guess different people, different needs, different approaches, which I love. Everybody has their own kind of operating system. Totally. Totally. Um, Anything else about this rainbow life? I thought that was a really, uh, I liked, you know, obviously portfolio career podcast, uh, familiar with portfolio life, Mm. rainbow life is a, is a new one for me. Yeah. Uh, It's a twist on the idea of a portfolio life for sure. Um, I just think of it as like, not everything has to make sense in the moment when you're doing something. Um, a lot of the things that I'm exploring right now currently mm. don't really make sense for me to do, mm. but I'm just interested in them. And so I'm pursuing them for the sake of pursuing them. Mm. Knowing something for the sake of doing it is like the definition of humanity to mm. me. Um, just the joy of learning about something, reading something, or, you know, for artists, just like creating for the sake of creating, right? Yeah. I think of rainbow living in the context of of those things that I'm pursuing as curiosities. And maybe at some point, somewhere down the road, they're going to become very helpful. But maybe not. And that's okay, too. And I'm very okay with that. Yeah. And but it seems like you're uh, not okay with not being present. Mm, No, not okay with that. For someone that wants to develop more presence, Mm -hmm. what do you think they should consider or do? Mm. I really don't want to say meditation because the barrier to entry to that Mm. always feels so high to people. I think of presence as these miniature moments, micro moments that I know everyone will resonate with when you're, I don't know, 
walking down the street and you spot a really cute dog and just like in that split second you and that dog you're just vibing on the same frequency and you're just like loving on one another or like you spot i don't know some beautiful flower and you stop and you smell it it's it's the moments when you're like so in that present moment that the rest of it kind of stops existing and those moments are so fleeting right mm. but i think of them a lot and i try to orchestrate them and i think that's one of the things that i oftentimes recommend to people is how can you orchestrate moments of connection and 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 i hate that expression but like gratitude mm. um when everything kind of slows down and you're just in that moment yesterday for me that was for example taking my four-year-old um to the to the forest by our house and just like being in awe of the colors of the trees for like three minutes we just like stood there and looked at them and mm -hmm. that was a very present moment for me uh yesterday meditation obviously does that as well it helps our brains like really slow down and mm -hmm. get into a very different state and it the more you practice meditation the more you start noticing how your body feels throughout the day so you start noticing where there's tension or when you're holding your breath in like a really uh, tense way or if you're sitting in a very uncomfortable position you start noticing these like somatic things but you also start noticing your thoughts and your thought patterns more so you start noticing like where does your brain go mm. when it's not present when it's not right here right now and enmeshed in a task or in reading or whatever it is that you're doing in a conversation <laughs> or in a conversation exactly and so i think Meditation is you practice on the cushion mm. and then you take it out into the world. And that's where magic happens mm. because suddenly your level of focus and attention to here and now to this conversation gets amplified through the roof. Mm. Does that satisfy you as an answer? Yeah, <laughs> it's your answer. It's, um, um, no judgment um how do you orchestrate pre moments of presence for yourself hmm. i think it's probably related to like i, I don't think i was intentional about it i think it's more about like putting myself into situations and conversations where it's probably a good idea for me to be present in this conversation. <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm thinking about this conversation in advance and I'm like, okay, I got to get ready. I got to, you know, and I think that process like helps um, compared to like, if I don't, um, put myself in these kind of situations, then I'm probably like nothing against it, but like sending emails or like Slack messages. So I think it's like around like designing in 
like going into places or hanging out with people or doing things where presence is more I don't want to say important, but like being intentional. Yeah, being present is helpful mm-hmm. and knowing that like I want to show up for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um I want to show up for conversations with friends. I want to show up for like work stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to show up for um um I I get a lot of joy also around like the random little small things like mm-hmm. um yeah, I won't go into too much of a detail about that. But yeah, just the random little interactions yeah. you have around town and stuff that like, you know, there it's easy to kind of look at your phone or it's easy to mm-hmm. not be as like active um, or present. But like when you do, I think like those are the things that like make, you know, they put that smile on your face because it's almost like an unexpected kind of like moment of connection mm-hmm. um, with like different, call it... Um, people around town different kind of vendors around town you're like wow that that person um that i just bought just say like a coffee from like Mm -hmm. we smiled we laughed like that like but it could easily just been like a yeah give that to me okay here's money right but like but like you think about that that like small interaction for a while uh which is beautiful i love that all your presence moments uh present moments, presence <laughs> moments are, have a social component. Mm. Did you notice that? I presence seems to be connection with another mm. person for you. Hmm. That's what I'm hearing, which is yeah. really beautiful. Hmm. Not, not, not surprising that you do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for that reflection. Yeah. My pleasure. Um, hmm. Maybe that's what I should write about. Okay. There you go. <laughs> we got to figure it out. Um, is there anything else that you really want to share about sabbaticals? I also think it's really interesting. Like when was like a personal project mm-hmm. that like while you were working and I know maybe you're not as, you know, a strong fan of kind of mm-hmm. doing multiple things at once. Um, but maybe you're, thinking to be a little bit more just very like intentional about Mm. the rainbow compared to like so i wouldn't say that i'm not that i'm a a, i oppose doing i wouldn't say i oppose rainbow living because i don't because that's definitely the approach i take i just think of it as one thing at a time Mm. like i'm not trying to in the same moment, like juggle my day job with my amble writing with my, I don't know, whatever else. And my kids, Coaching, right. Yeah, advising. Co- yeah. yeah. I, there's like very dedicated, very cleanly articulated slots for that mm. in my life where I dedicate myself just to that one thing in that slot. And I try not to bleed. So I think an advice that I, I think we multi ask like, people today in 2023 we multitask way too much Mm. um and the i think the secret is and how you're able to really create compartments in your life to fully give yourself to that specific thing that you're doing um in that moment cool yeah and if people want to stay in touch um 
check out Amble, Amble where, where can they do that? And Yeah, Amble is on Substack um, and it's still free. I don't plan to fire wallet or pay wallet or whatever anytime soon. Um, and I'm also reachable on email at maria at amble.day. Um, and I don't really use social media that much. Um, so you can't really find me there. Or if you do, then I probably won't respond. Um, but yeah, Amble on Sapstack and my email are the best ways to reach me. Love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much. 